like I said, fashion was something I always loved, but in many ways, fashion can be frivolous. But now working specifically with Braille beadwork and having the privilege to work with such incredible women from the blind and visually impaired community, the power of fashion and the power of what we're creating is so much more than just clothing. It's creating opportunities and conversations and awareness. And it's really opened my mind. I'm Joyita Gupta, and this is The Pulse. There is a lot of chatter in fashion circles about designing clothes for all bodies, as well as fair labor practices and creating sustainable clothing, which won't wind up in a landfill after a couple washes. It's part of a broader cultural critique of rampant consumerism and the impact of what we wear on the world around us. In this context, it's no wonder that more attention has been paid than ever before to designing clothing that works for all bodies. Of course, it's good for people with disabilities as individuals, but it's also part of a larger social movement. One intended to break barriers, one sparkly evening gown at a time. Today, we discuss accessible fashion as a social good. It's time to put your finger on the pulse. Hello and welcome to The Pulse on AMI-audio. I'm Juhita Gupta. Over the last couple of weeks, we've been speaking to Canadian fashion designers who are designing clothes for people with disabilities. We'll be wrapping up our conversation today. My guest today is Alexa Jovanovich, who is the creator and founder of iDesign. And while it might sound like I as an E-Y-E, it's written A-I-L-L-E, like the French word iDesign is unique because as far as I know, it's the only brand that caters exclusively to people who are blind. How, you ask? Well, they've put Braille on their clothing. It doesn't get more accessible than that. Alexa, hello and welcome to The Pulse. I'm really happy you could talk to us about your wonderful creations because I'm a huge fan. Hi, Joita. Thank you so much for having me. This is awesome. One of the first things I ask anyone when they talk to me about fashion and design is, well, what is it that got you inspired? Do you remember when and how you discovered your love for fashion and for design? Okay, so that's uh, a multi-part question for sure. So fashion has always been something I've been passionate about ever since I was really young. You could always find me playing dress up in my mother's closet or my grandma's closet, wearing feather boas, beads, what have you. Uh, but that was something that I just never really grew out of. To date, I still really lean towards clothes that have those extra tactile embellishments. And I knew very early on that I wanted to go to school to study fashion. So this is always something that I've been really passionate about and have wanted to pursue professionally. And it's once I got to school that that love for fashion, it just further strengthened. But it really expanded beyond just being a love for clothing and design. But really, while I started having these initial courses in university, I started learning about diversity, inclusion, and accessibility, and essentially the lack of those elements in our industry. So that's when my passion for fashion, to say the least, really expanded into a way to create social good through clothing design. 
And that's where my uh, adventure into adaptive clothing began. And when you're thinking about accessible clothing, I'm curious about how you're approaching this. Are you mostly thinking about functionality? So things like, is this going to be easy for someone with a disability to put on or take off? Or is your driving concern the aesthetic question, creating something that's really beautiful and challenges you as some as a as a creative, for example? How do you try to strike that balance, Alexa? A combination of both. So that's a great question. So with our pieces, my company, I Design, we focus particularly on creating designs with fully legible braille in the form of beadwork. So the functionality and the adaptive nature of our clothes is very much through that braille beadwork application. I'm actually wearing one of our pieces right now on the video. I bought our black long sleeve crop top with white braille and that braille is placed alongside the sleeves as well as a line down the center front. And the adaptive nature there, it's fully legible for anyone who does read braille, but for those who may not, it becomes a way to really wear your values on your sleeve essentially, and really showcase your advocacy for disability inclusion and representation. Some of our other pieces have more adaptive uh, elements included into the actual functional construction of the pieces. So for example, we have a blue dress that has a material that doesn't wrinkle, which adds to that adaptive nature, but that's something that absolutely anyone can benefit from. Whether or not you have a disability, using an iron or a steamer is not always going to be your first choice. Making sure that these pieces are all very easy to care for and launder and being able to easily access them. So with that dress, for example, there is a zipper on it, but it has a very long zipper pull. So it becomes very easy to put on and off on yourself. So we've got a feature or a variety of features of the adaptive elements from the functional construction to the actual artwork that we display on our pieces. See, I'll be frank with you. This is a question that I was hesitating to ask you because I thought, gosh, what a completely banal question. But how exactly would you take care of some of these pieces? I would hesitate to put anything with beads on it in the washing machine. I would certainly not want to iron it. And I wouldn't even put it in the dryer. So what are the care instructions? Very great question. And our pieces are built to last. I really pride ourselves on not only the legibility of the Braille, but the ease and being able to care for it and the strength and durability of it. So because I created this project through, or the company through a research project, there is a lot of research behind the actual beadwork application and making sure ease of wash was a vital part of the project. And so these pieces can all be machine washable. You just turn them inside out and you machine wash them cold. And then we suggest hanging to dry. So avoiding high heat whenever possible, but that's something that you should actually do with all of your clothing, not just the pieces from our company. It'll really withstand the lifeline of your clothes and really uh, kind of enhance the colors and vibrancy of each material as well and make them all last longer. So machine wash cold inside out, but hang to dry. Yeah, look, I'm, I'm not a big fan of ironing, okay? Anything <laughs> that, that gets me out of ironing, I am all for. You mentioned that uh, this clothing that you're designing is all about expressing values and that the Braille is about learning a new language and expressing some of those values. Did you learn to read and write Braille as part of your development for this project or does somebody else write the Braille for you? That's a great question. So in terms of deciding what the Braille should actually say, that's something that's a community effort. But the actual Braille translation itself, that's something that I do. So all of our pieces feature 
grade one uncontracted braille. And that was a decision that we made as a community. So we really wanted to be able to increase the number of people who would be able to read the braille. So even if you were new to braille, this could be an easy transition into learning and you're getting familiarity with the actual language. So I learned a lot about braille as I was researching uh, disabilities in fashion and particularly the experience of individuals with blindness and their relationship with fashion. And I became quite fascinated with Braille. So this was something that I started to teach. Uh, it's something that I started to learn myself. I taught myself how to read Braille. So this is something that I do visually. I can't read Braille by touch, but with all of our pieces, I am the one that translates all of the Braille and we use grade one uncontracted Braille to create all the pieces to make sure that we can maximize the number of people who are able to read and learn about Braille. Yeah, when I was about 18 or 19, I, I tried to learn Braille as well and never advanced beyond grade one Braille. I think it's just one of those things that if you don't learn language early enough in life, you 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 do sort of hit a wall, I think, in terms of how competent you can be. But I digress. Uh, you, you talked about how wonderful it has been to put Braille on all of this clothing, but I think it would be a gross misrepresentation to suggest that the only thing that's really remarkable is, oh, wow, that's so cool. There's Braille on the clothes. Okay, well, that's great. But even beyond the fact that there's Braille on your clothing, what you actually say on your clothing is equally impactful. Why don't you talk to us a little bit about some of the messages on some of your clothes? Absolutely. That's a great question. So the Braille from an aesthetic point of view is the focal point of each design. But when it comes to what the Braille actually says, I think that's really the star of the show when it comes to our pieces. So the piece that I'm wearing right now is the black long sleeve shirt with white Braille along the sleeves and down the center front. And the Braille actually reads one of my favorite phrases that we have. So this one here says, make inclusion an expectation, not an exception. Blindness does not have a certain look or feel. Disabilities do not define us. We define ourselves. So that's all captured in this piece. So not only is it an empowering phrase, but it's designed to be empowering when worn. And it really brings together this important conversation about the way we display disabilities in the social landscape. There is a huge misconception that if you're blind or visually impaired, that you don't care what you look like. And that simply isn't true. And that's something that we really wanted to bring to the forefront of this particular piece, but also just in our value set at the company. So really making sure that these pieces are so fashion forward that absolutely anyone can wear them and really kind of reduces that stigma that disability and fashion can't coexist because that absolutely isn't true. Yeah, no, it's a, it is a, a really great idea. And I can see this being obviously very fantastic for someone who's blind, but something that would be wonderful and remarkable for anyone to wear, uh, just to switch it up a little with and, and wear something different. And yet you're talking about starting a business and some of the the challenges in doing that, especially now there's Xi'an, there's Amazon, all these big box stores that don't have a lot of accessible fashion, but they do capture a large part of the of the market share. So how exactly did you go about setting up your business and getting things off the ground? Yeah, so I think one thing that we have to our advantage when it comes to our specific business is the value set that we hold. And one thing that we do is we work through a co-design process to actually create all of our pieces. 
So that means that we work directly with the end consumer to design and manufacture these garments. So we will consult people from the visually impaired community, as well as people who are sighted or who are fashion stylists or designers alike, or really care about social inclusion and social justice. So we get a variety of perspectives at the table when we're designing these pieces so we can make sure that there is something there for everyone and that it's well represented. And then together creating these pieces, determining what the actual styles are, where the braille should be placed, what should the braille actually say. And so there's a really strong community initiative here and everything that we do is alongside one another, which is something that you're not gonna get from a significantly larger company who is only worried about turning a profit and providing new pieces. So unlike a company like Shein, we're not concerned right now about volume and putting out many, many collections a season. We're creating pieces that are timeless, that are made to last, that can be worn year over year, and that will always be staples within your wardrobe and not even just from a fashion sense, but from that value sense as well. So there are pieces that you love aesthetically, but that you also really love to wear because of what they stand for. When you're wearing a piece with Braille, it says a lot about who you are as a person and it can also be fashionable. So that's something that you're not gonna get from a Shein, for example. And have you experimented with other things just to provide that tactile experience aside from beads? I mean, was there a reason you went with beads over other things? What was the process like for you? Because I'm sure there are other things you could have used uh, just to, you know, to provide that raised lettering or to provide uh, the experience of reading Braille on the clothing. So, so why beads and why not something else? Yes, absolutely. So because we work primarily with the blind and visually impaired community, it's really important to us that we can always kind of emphasize that tactile experience. We know that that's gonna be one of the best and strongest ways to be able to enjoy clothing. So we'll make sure that all of our pieces have a very distinct feel. So for example, with our t-shirts, we use an incredibly soft fabric and most of our customers actually say that these t-shirts are the softest shirts that they own. So they love these shirts before they even get to that tactile braille element. So we really like to emphasize the different textural fields when it comes to fabric. But for the Braille, we've always stayed with the traditional beadwork that we use. Through all of my research and testing, that has been by far the most legible. When you're using something like embroidery or a puffy paint or a raised ink, those will all wear down over time. And the last thing you want when it comes to Braille is for one of those dots to go missing or to be so worn down that it can't be felt because you're going to have a completely different word and over time, a completely different message. So variety in textural experiences for sure when it comes to fabric, but no variety in the actual beadwork and application that needs to stay concrete. You know, I've said this so many times on this channel that employment is such a big piece for people with disabilities. And so even as though, even though you've talked to me about the t-shirts and the, the black shirt that you have on right now, I am curious about whether you might have also uh, spent some time designing formal wear. So, you know, obviously things that could be worn for an evening out, but I was more thinking about a suit jacket or a blazer, something you might go wearing to a job interview, because I feel like it's very stringent and you have all of these expectations about what is or, and is not appropriate to wear to an office setting. How much freedom or flexibility is there to actually put beads on some of those clothes and have braille on some of those those formal clothes that we were talking about? I absolutely love that you asked this question. 
So you are correct in that our basic line has a range of staple pieces from t-shirts, sweatshirts, long sleeve shirts. But one of the pieces that I love most and that was really important to me that we make was actually an evening gown. So I know you mentioned business where I'll get to that part as well, but we made an evening gown and I felt that that was really important to have a very large variety in products that we could offer because there's not just one disabled experience. Everyone's experience is so incredibly unique. And that also means the types of functions and events that you're going to are going to be unique. There's a misconception that often people with disabilities are only wearing t-shirts and leggings or sweatpants. And that's absolutely not true. Like you said, that's not something that you're going to be wearing into the workplace. So when it comes to this blue dress that we created, I worked really closely with 10 blind women specifically for this piece. And it's a beautiful blue dress can easily be be dressed up or dressed down. And it's a fitted dress. It goes to about the ankle. It's sleeveless. It's a beautiful cobalt blue color. And it has over 2,600 white braille beads down the front of the dress. And all of that braille describes the color blue from the perspective of those 10 blind women. So what are those thoughts and feelings of their color blue, despite not visually seeing the color blue? And so we made sure to include a diverse range of women in terms of what their experience with blindness is and at what point they actually lost their vision or a portion of it. So we have a few women that lost their vision when they were much younger. So blue was very much the color of the sky or the water and other women who lost their vision in their late thirties, forties, fifties. So their experience of the color blue and those memories that they hold are going to be significantly different. So that's a really powerful piece when it comes to evening wear. And when it comes to the ability of storytelling that we can actually create through the braille and the types of messages and conversations we can start. But what's really cool is that same Braille text, that color blue description, a lot of the conversations that I had during those interviews, some of the different people mentioned that with blue, they don't necessarily think of the color as having different shades. So light blue, dark blue, cobalt blue, royal blue, but rather blue is blue. So I thought it would be very interesting to use that same description of blue on a suit jacket that was a very dark navy midnight blue. So you still have that experience of this is blue, though visually you would think it's very different. So really trying to play with that contrast as well. So with this piece, the braille is placed on the front of the suit jacket down one side. And again, there's about 2,600 beads. This one was incredibly striking. There are photos of it on and uh, image descriptions of it on our Instagram account. Uh, which is I designs, And then there are photos and image descriptions of the blue dress on there as well. And so that was just a really interesting way to be able to showcase the Braille application on a variety of pieces. When it comes to workwear, we also offer pocket squares, which are a really great way to kind of add additional character and professionalism to a suit jacket, especially for something like an interview, which you mentioned. So with our particular Braille application, we can really create almost anything. Our beadwork can be applied to almost any fabric, any material. So the possibilities truly are limitless when it comes to the types of designs we can create and for what functions and events. We've done custom one-off pieces, 
Uh, we've created pocket squares for an entire bridal party. Uh, there's quite a variety, but yeah, much more than just t-shirts than the shirt that I'm wearing today. Okay, so do you do custom and bespoke work as well? So if I just found a shirt or a dress or if I had a, you know, if I had something that I wanted to repurpose even, would I be able to come to you and say, could you put some beads on it? I would like to have it, you know, say something in Braille that I'd be able to read. Absolutely. We can definitely do that. And it's something that we've done in the past. And so with that, it allows you to add Braille to clothing that's even beyond just the line that we carry. So if there's a particular piece that's very special to you or that you already know fits you, or say it's an existing piece that's in your closet and you want to give it that second leg to be able to reuse and make it the more sustainable object within your own current wardrobe, that's absolutely something that we could work on together. Oh, wow. We're actually working on a really uh, special custom piece. Right now, uh, we were commissioned to create a one-off Braille bag for Andrea Bocelli, uh, which is a phenomenal opportunity. So there really is just such a wide range of opportunities when it comes to the Braille beadwork and how it can be applied. But yeah, that's just one of the exciting commissions we created recently. Yeah, I think that's really savvy. I mean, I think it's remarkable that you saw something there. I'm I'm blind. I never thought about it, even when I encountered clothes with, with beads on it or sequins or whatever and said, oh, you know, I could maybe put Braille <laughs> on these clothes. It never occurred to me. So I think it's really remarkable that you thought about it. Oh, thank you, Trudita. That's so sweet. <laughs> you mentioned earlier in our conversation about color and blindness and you know, to be frank with you, when I think about colors, I continue to associate colors with emotions, experiences certainly, but mostly with emotions. In talking to the women who helped you design some of your clothing, did that relationship between color and blindness come up at all? Yes, absolutely. And that's a great point. So the full transcript of the Braille bead address is on our website, idesign.com. But a few sentences that I can relay now um, one of them that sticks out in particular is blue is confidence in who I am. So there was absolutely an array of emotion that was displayed either through the storytelling narrative aspect of it or the specific words used. So for example, another woman mentioned and referred to the color blue as being in the car, going down the highway and seeing a big billboard that says your voice here that was a way that she said that blue exuded confidence and really allowed her to kind of have the encouragement to speak her voice and make sure that she was heard. Blue can be simple, but still have that confidence. Blue is something that people have mentioned was very uh, similar to the experience of adventure. So thinking about getting onto a plane and going to a destination, not knowing where, but being excited for that journey. So it was very, very emotion, uh, emotional to create these pieces. Honestly, I cried so much during the transcripts, uh, during the interviews and transcribing everything and having to condense it just to 2,600 words. We could have honestly created a whole series of dresses and perhaps that's something we'll do in the future. But it's really quite interesting to see how color can play such a large part um, one woman actually, um, just quickly, her experience with blue wasn't quite as positive, which was really interesting to hear as well. Um, she was quite younger at the time and wasn't aware of her visual impairment yet. And blue actually was a very strong indicator for her of a moment when she almost drowned. Um, she had fallen into a pool 
and didn't know that that was about to happen. So she already was startled in that sense and didn't really know how to get out. So she ended up being okay and went through a whole journey. But for a very brief moment, the vastness of blue surrounded her and it was sudden fear that she was filled with. So that kind of set of emotion has now evolved into something very different. But it's just very interesting to see how color can play such a different role when you aren't necessarily seeing it fully. You know, one of the questions I've been asking everybody as part of this uh, fashion series is what sort of a ripples would you say your work has had in the broader fashion industry? So now I ask you, what kind of an impact has your approach to accessible fashion and design had on some of those larger labels and big brands? Are they designing their clothing differently after they've seen the work that you've put out there? That's a wonderful point. And so diversity, inclusion, and accessibility have been large speaking points in more recent times, especially when it comes to fashion. And oftentimes, disability wasn't really included in that experience until just recently. And it's because of a lot of those mainstream, larger brands that people are learning more about accessible clothing and why it's important. When it comes to our work in particular, I can't disclose specific details yet. So, Joita, you're going to have to trust me on this one. Um, but we have a very incredible partnership that's being announced in July of 2024 with an incredible mainstream brand. And so that is a direct reflection of how our work has been kind of influencing the perspectives and actions of larger companies who really do have the exposure, awareness, and capabilities of creating true change in our world. So I wish I could tell you more about that specific example, but I can tell you it's definitely one to look out for and to watch. It will be announced all over our Instagram, but it's an incredible opportunity. And I think it'll be just the beginning for more companies of that size and stature to understand the possibilities here and really increasing the number of collaborations that are possible to bring the disability experience to light and showcase the beauty of it that it deserves. As we wrap up our conversation, I really want us to go back to the beginning, if you will. I asked you what inspired you and you said, I've always loved clothing and I used to play dress up in my mother and grandmother's closet. I've always loved fashion. And fast forward a couple of years and your life takes this pretty unexpected turn, designing clothes for people who are blind or visually impaired and learning to read Braille in order to make clothing that was accessible. How has all of this in the course of, uh, gosh, I think you got started in 2016, 2017. So in the course of the last four, five, six years, how has all this work on accessible fashion changed you as a person? Oh my goodness, it has changed me so much. And I'm so exceptionally grateful for this opportunity and that this is what I get to do every single day. Like I said, fashion was something I always loved, but in many ways, fashion can be frivolous. But now working specifically with Braille beadwork and having the privilege to work with such incredible women from the blind and visually impaired community, the power of fashion and the power of what we're creating is so much more than just clothing. It's creating opportunities and conversations and awareness and it's really opened my mind this entire process i've learned so much just like how you mentioned color being more associated to an emotion that's something that many people don't think about and 
I say this all the time, but if you yourself don't have a disability or if you don't know someone with a disability, oftentimes accessibility is not something that you think of. You don't go into a room or into a building and think, oh, this door is actually not wide enough for someone who's using a wheelchair or the elevator is broken. That's okay. I'll just take the stairs. That's not something that's always going to be acceptable for someone. And those are major changes in that person's life that they're now going to have to navigate. So unless you're directly uh, impacted by a certain experience, you likely don't think about it. So I was already fairly open-minded when it came to this space. But as we continue year after year and the more people I meet and the more unique experiences that I learn about, I'm just in maybe that much more disbelief that something like this didn't already exist or hasn't been changed. We still have so much work to do and that's clear, but we're at least in a place as a world that we're starting to move that agenda forward and having those conversations and kind of just putting our feet down and saying, no, this does need to stop. So I've become a really proud member and advocate of the community and going into the project, I didn't know anybody personally who had a visual impairment, but now I can say majority of my closest friends are. And it's really opened my eyes to lack of better words as to those different experiences and learning more about them. So I'm really just grateful. And like you said, it started in 2016, 2017 as a research project. Didn't start going full time until about a year and a half ago. So 2022. And it has been an incredible journey since then. We can barely keep up. Um, we're just finished our holiday season, which was by far the busiest we've ever been. And this upcoming year, given the projects uh, that we already know about and have signed contracts for, uh, it's it's going to be one for the book, that's for sure. Alexa, thank you so much for speaking to me today. Some of your stuff is so beautiful. I really enjoyed having you on the program. Likewise. Thank you so much, Dorita. Anytime. Alexa Yovanovich is a fashion designer and the creator of iDesign. iDesign being unique for putting braille using beads on a number of their clothes, dresses, shirts, really beautiful stuff. I hope you have a chance to check them out. And that, folks, is a wrap. It's been great fun chatting accessible fashion. Uh, it feels like it was something off the beaten trail for me. I really enjoyed talking to some incredible women. You can really get a sense of how passionate they are about the work that they do, how much um, good they feel they're doing in the world. And I think it makes such a big difference to people. We don't spend enough time talking about the frustration that so many people with disabilities feel on a day-to-day -day basis. Gosh, I don't have anything that fits my body. I don't know how to do up uh, my shirt buttons. Everything that is uh, that does fit my body and is accessible to me happens to be really ugly. Uh, so this has been just a wonderful opportunity to talk to some of the movers and shakers in the fashion movement in Canada designing for all bodies. And I hope you've enjoyed listening as much as I've enjoyed putting together this exploration or this deep dive into accessible fashion. If you've got any feedback, you can write to us at feedback at ami.ca. You can give us a call at 1-866-509-4545. That's 1-866-509-4545. Don't forget to leave permission to play the audio on the program. And, of course, you can find us on X at AMI-audio. Use the hashtag PulseAMI to let us know that the tweet is intended for uh, this particular program. If you're looking for me, I am at Juita Gupta on X. 
You can also leave a comment down below if you're listening to the podcast or watching us on YouTube. And please do subscribe if you haven't already done so and tell your friends to subscribe so that you can be notified about future episodes. The videographer for this episode of The Pulse was Ted Cooper. Mark Aflalo is our technical producer. Jordan Steves uh, is, our t- is our video editor. Ryan Delahanty is the coordinator for AMI Audio Podcasts. And Andy Frank is the manager for AMI Audio. And I've been your host, Joyita Gupta. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you.